But we talked about what it means to be a great coach. I took some of the points from there and kind of put my own stuff on a little bit more. And this is, you can probably hopefully take some takeaways from everything and use it in whatever avenue you're working in. But this is stuff that I've found to be very important in terms of online to be coach. So communication, response times are huge. My last contest had a coach and he didn't respond to me my whole entire last last week, the peak week of the prep. And it was very, very, very detrimental. We had a supplement protocol laid out and it changed and we it just was a huge mess up and turned out looking like crap in the contest. It was wonderful. And also put on like fifteen pounds of water in the next two days, so blood pressure shot up, ankles were like that big. It was awesome. Being thorough. Being thorough with responses and with questions for clients. Never since, or what I do is I never send someone just like a yes or no answer to something. I never just want to give a, a blatant answer, like yes, do that, <coughs> yes, do that. Like you need to tell someone why you're doing what you're doing, and you always want to educate that person. Um, also, you need to ask the right questions and be thorough with those questions, not to say, hey, how was your day? Say, hey, why is this happening during your day? Uh, you also need to be able to break down material for an individual to understand. So, does anyone in here read research or interpret research or anything? A little bit, so that's something that like you can read research, but if you can't dish it back out to somebody, and like I said before, you can have all the information in the world, but if you can't speak it out to somebody else, what's the purpose of having that? Like just so you can high horse, I know everything, but you can't even talk about it. And then having different avenues of communication, I don't just do email. I do, as I said before, Skype, phone calls, Facebook Messenger, texting, everything. It's about meeting the person where they're at. Key point throughout everything. Stay in your lane. Don't cross the line on health. I know I talk about me reading blood work and everything and giving certain protocols, but after a certain point, I always reach out to somebody else. Um, I've developed a pretty tight-knit group of doctors and everything that I work with that I can send people out to. Um, I never try to really diagnose anything. If I look at their lab work and I can see things are off and we can try to work on things with that, and it normally works. But if it's, I'm unfamiliar with it, I would not push that out on somebody. I will always and you're probably not a registered dietitian. If you are, congratulations, but I am not. So do not give BS meal plans, that's illegal. Um, and like I said before, get to know doctors in your area and build a team of healthcare professionals. Relationship, this is number one. If there's anything about client retention, it's a relationship. You guys that are training inside of gyms probably know this, that if you can build a good relationship with your clients, then they will stay with you. I worked at the Gold's Gym back in my hometown, and that's what I did, and after I left there, because that was just crappy, all of them went over to my online coaching. So it's not a dictatorship. Like I said before, I always tell them why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just me saying, hey, do this for this result without even really telling them the result. Um, it also leads to correct reporting. If you have like a dictatorship mentality, they're not gonna report back to you because they'll be scared of you on what, what, what you may say or think of them if they do something wrong. Everyone's human, they're gonna mess up, they're gonna eat something wrong. I had a client message me this morning on the way here that like she had two budget brownies or something last night with her daughter. Like it happens. But you have to be able to like create the environment for them that they can tell you that so you can work past that. Because if they're tracking things wrong, unless you say they're doing things wrong, they're reporting to you right, then you're like, what the heck's going on? Like you're not, you're doing something wrong. And part of that could just be them being scared to tell you the truth. Uh, there's a fine line of being friends and professionalism. Like I said, when you're checking, your time matters. Keep your boundaries. Don't cross the line of getting too friendly friend with them. Um, but that's also a lot more down the road with a lot of things. 
Uh, be relatable, adaptable, and personable. This is huge for client retention, like I said before. Um, Maybe the smartest person ever, but if you suck, you'll be a terrible coach. If you're not good with people, you will suck at anything dealing with people. Um, so if you suck, work on it. Uh, build a team, a Facebook group for your team will create a supportive environment. So I have like a closed group on Facebook that all my clients, and I most of the time keep my past clients in there too because the majority of them come back. But just I release content in there, do a lot of things like that, have a good supportive environment because a lot of people have crappy home environments with that. So you talk about keep your boundaries, but you also started by training your friends. How did? That's why I said down the road. So oh, like, okay. you have to get started somewhere. Yeah. And the best places with people that like you can be like, hey man, let me help you out real quick. <laughs> but that's not real sketchy. So. <laughs> anyway, um, sorry. So you said you obtained your first clients through working at Bowls. So that's how you started with your client base. No, I started my client base back in 2015, back when I prepped with different people and yeah, friends. Uh, the people at Goals approached me because they had a person competing the show, same show here, uh, the three people, and they're like, oh, hey, we didn't know you were prepping people because I was over here at school, so when I went back, I graduated from here, I went back home, unfortunately. Um, and they're like, hey, we want you to be our prep coach, and then things just never seemed to work out the way that they you know, portrayed to be, but um, it was still a good experience. But yeah, with the boundaries, even like with your friends, you have to keep it somewhat professional, like, hey, like, my time matters. I've got to work on other things. Let's not talk about like us hanging out this weekend all the time. Like, let's just get out of business about this. Talk about that later. Results. That is so tiny. So it's important to obviously provide the client with the means to reach their goal while keeping their health first. Um, that kind of goes into the reading lab work for a lot of these people. A lot of a lot of my clientele uses drugs, um, steroids, not like coke and stuff. Um, just in case there's any weird thoughts about that. Um, and also taking in the time necessary for proper programming and understanding the client's body. If you can nail somebody's like nutrition right off the bat, good for you for their goal. It will not happen often at all. It's happened one time for me. It was awesome, but it's not going to happen most of the time. Training programming is something that is a more leeway for because like you can, I mean, as you guys in the gym now can see, like if they do something, they're making progress. And there's progressive overload and just smart exercise selection, they'll make progress regardless. But obviously you want to do everything optimally. Honesty, something I touched on before, uh, what results they can and should be getting. If they're jacked up hormonally, things are not gonna go right, they're not gonna get the results they're really wanting at this time, so take a step back and work on their health, which is still moving forward, and they'll feel a lot better, and then you work on the outside. Um, there's an example there about that. Oh, people don't wanna hear that. Like people walk away all the time from that. Um, I saw a post from a coach yesterday that all 30 of his like inquiries this past month, they've walked away from because like he's like, you guys aren't ready to compete yet. Like hormonally, you guys aren't ready. Y'all's relationship with food is terrible. Like if you were on a stranded island and you could have like chicken breasts or ice cream, you would pick the ice cream and eat all of it at one time. Like it's just people have to mentally be ready for a lot of this stuff. Um, and like I said, to do it with health first, you're gonna need some more time, and that's fine. Oh my gosh. Education experience, books are great, classes are great, but until you're able to get in there and experience everything, there's a lot of stuff you're not gonna know how to do. Um, I've gathered a lot of my information from, from literature, my other coaches, my mentors and everything, but 
like I said, you have to experience it. Like you can read all the time about how to, you know, a 20 week prep and how to take down their uh, calories and their macros to a certain point and then have a diet break to keep their metabolism up and then take it back down and then keep going and going, have this perfect equation of things. It n normally never works like that, never. Um, so until you're able to, like I said, understand the client's body and have a good grasp on everything else and know how to adjust things based on your previous experiences, the book just won't help you. And also, if you have not suffered, it's hard to help someone in that position if you've not suffered in like a contest prep or at training for a powerlifting meet or something like that, it's very difficult to tell someone how it's gonna be, you can't. Um, when you're at zero grams of carbs for three weeks, it's very hard to tell someone that you're gonna be douchebag, big douchebag if I can zero grams of carbs, and it happens. Um, it's important to obviously incorporate the evidence and your anecdotes, your personal training experience and the research. And gaining the eye, that's something very specific to the physique world. Um, seeing someone's flat, seeing someone's full, seeing changes in their weekly check-in photos or bi-weekly check-in photos. Um, I have some clients who they send pictures once a month because they're just so, we're not gonna see a lot of changes for a while, um, so there's no point in sending pictures every single week. But there's some people I can prep, I'll get pictures every day the last three weeks. Sometimes pictures every few hours to see how food is acting in them, to see how water and sodium is affecting them. Um, it's pretty crazy. Also, science is great to initially set up programming, but after that, biofeedback is king. We talked about that earlier. Like, in terms of, I think you said someone who's a strength coach. Is that, is that you? So do you guys do periodization with all your, all your guys? Yeah, like, and that's, I love it for strength sports, and I have one powerlifter who's, I use periodization with, I'm kind of branching into that a little bit more. But um, I still feel like biofeedback is just reign superior with that on how to efficiently program someone's training. Because like with recovery, stress, all these other things that affect things that, most of the time people just think that it's just nutrition and training, that's what it does. No recovery, stress, hormonal imbalances, all these little things play an effect on everything. And you get everything 100%, which is you probably want, but things start to progress. And don't get caught up in the little things, type of periodization, find the perfect maximum recoverable volume for each muscle group, which is this new thing of how many sets per week is the maximum that you can train but still recover from to make progress. And also to get the right mentors. Here's some random points. Know your worth. Uh, I started out like $30 a month. Uh, now I'm like $130 a month. I know coaches that charge $300 a month. I think that's absurd. Um, there's nothing, there's no secret to any of this. It's all just trial and error working with the people, I mean, this stuff's out there, the information's out there, it's just applying it. Um, you'll have to work for free, I worked for free for a long time before that $30 a month. And get to know people, reach out to other coaches and professionals in the industry, that's what I do. As far as like supplement companies as well, like I try to reach out to all these people and just get my name out there. Just talk to them, carry on conversations, build a rapport with everyone. You never know who will send you clients out. Um, I've had clients accept me from all over, pretty cool and put up actual content. Uh, you are your own advertisement. I do have clients that are like walking billboards for me and it's pretty awesome, but at the same time, social media is my best platform for reaching out to people. And if I'm putting out BS content about, hey, drink a protein shake, no one's gonna gain from that. But I'm talking about, hey, like, let's talk about insulin sensitivity. Let's talk about why this is important and why you should not be insulin resistant.
how that will affect your health and your goals in the gym. Um, some takeaways, anything and everything you go through can help you relate and potentially help a client or just any individual. Like my digestive issues, I never in my life thought I'd ever have to go through any of this. I didn't know it was a thing. And now going through it, I'm able to put a lot more emphasis on that. And now it's becoming a big thing of everyone's intestines are jacked, it seems like. Um, you need to be able to communicate effectively with all types of people. I mean, this goes for anything, and basically any field, unless you're like working on websites or something, I guess. Uh, you're gonna have to interact with people. You're gonna have to be good at it. Like I said, don't suck. Um, stay in your lane. Make sure you opt out and bring somebody else in if you are uncomfortable with dealing with something. And that's another thing too, like with my forms and everything, I have liability forms, I have all this stuff that people have to sign, so I don't get sued. Just in case. Um, develop a healthy relationship with your clients, don't go overboard, but still you want to be someone they can talk to, someone they can trust. Keep your health in their goals first. Don't be like, oh, this person will do so well with this, I'm going to try to just you know, steer them in this direction. Let them do their thing. Maybe like, offer that up sometime, but always let the client decide what they want to do. Be able to explain why you're doing something. <coughs> Stay up to date on the research and find a good mentor and keep progressing your own training. Don't you don't want to sacrifice your own health and well-being for everyone else's other money's cool. You know, whatever insta fame, whatever people want to call it, that's great. But like at the end of the day, your training is just as important as your client's training. And there's some contact stuff. If anybody wants to see any of my spreadsheets or pick my brain or anything like that, feel free to email me. The website should have been up already, but it'll be up soon. And there's my name, obviously, on Facebook. Um, but yeah, if you guys need anything, feel free. Like I said, I wasn't really too sure what to talk about. Hopefully, I covered some decent things as far as like what the online world looks like. Um, it's it's a lot different than inside the gym. There's a lot more stuff that goes on. Um, it seems like, especially working my demographic, working with the people who are in the science field a little bit more, maybe with it all, and also the people who want to branch out with the drugs. Um, that's when it gets crazy, it gets pretty cool. Um, changing your body chemistry is wild. It's something that, obviously, you know, you don't, I don't push that on anybody, no one pushes that on anybody. And if you do, you're crappy, honestly. But it's always that person's, that person's decision to go down that route, but it's always best to be informative with that and educate them on what they're doing and why they should be, do that or not do that. Um, so that is everything. I don't know if anybody has any questions. What's up? So if someone's taking steroids and yeah. increase or like uh, enhance recovery, do you uh, increase the frequency of the training or the volume of the training, maybe like twice uh, a week for the same muscle group? So I, in my mind, I prefer a frequency of at least twice a week for a body part. Unless something's just superior on somebody, then I will probably pull that back a little bit. Um, Even if they're natural? Yeah. Um, if they're natural, they probably, everyone needs to train with a lot of intensity. I'm, I used to be a more volume type person, but now I am going back into like less frequency, or more frequency, less volume, higher intensity. Um, I think that everyone can grow a lot more from training really hard, and people can put more effort in than they think that they can. Mm -hmm. um, even just two sets, uh, like one set to like, obviously working up sets, like work up sets, but a top set, training really hard, going out till probably like an RPE of nine or maybe even 10. And is everyone familiar with RPE, rate of perceived exertion? Goes from six to 20. Sure, I didn't normally go from like zero to 10, but that's fine. Um, 
it's, and then well, sorry, the next set would be maybe pull it down a percentage, like maybe 50% or strip some weight off and maybe go to another set, like the AMRAP set. So you never find like trouble with recovery from that week, so you do like chest on Monday and then you do it again on Thursday? Yeah, well, everything's pretty depending on that individual, yeah. but most of the time that's su plenty sufficient time of rest for Monday to Thursday during that. Any other questions about anything like we can talk about? How did you get um, all the uh, documentation so they don't get sued? And like, when did you get that? Like, when, did you get that when you were training people for free, or was that done around? So I had that when I was training people for free as well, just because yeah. I just want to cover myself. Um, I worked with my first coach back in 2015, and I looking at that, and I picked some other people's brains about it, and I was like, trying to kind of adopt this, change some things, and utilize this, and ran it by some people, and it was spot on. So I just kind of kept the same thing throughout all that time. Right, right. Was that difficult, or not really? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean. If, do you have any friends that the parents would be lawyers or anything like that? Uh, yeah. If you do, have them look over it, let them double check everything. Um, it's, it's a pretty, it's a tough thing, but like it's pretty easy to get done. It's something that needs to get done. But if you work in a gym, your liability is covered. They have insurance, but for yourself, it's, it's very important. Yeah, when I did uh, independent contract work, when I worked at say I'd go to uh, IKA, for example, they're a corporation here in Wilmington, they do um, they make like beakers and medical supplies and I would go over there and I'd teach them yoga. I actually had to talk with a lawyer who was a client at the time and he helped me kind of go through logistics of the tax work and then also the liability. But the, the corporation actually created their own liability for me. So that also helped as well. So sometimes the corporation, if you're an independent contractor, will make sure their employees sign a waiver or a contract. So like, um, you know, but then again, my lawyer has also told me that a lot of contracts can be just dismissed in court, you know, depending on the incident, right? So, you know, not all contracts are final, and that's something that the lawyer kind of privied me to is just, you, you still never know, you know? I mean, it's still, you know, you're working with clients who are, you know, let's say miles away, you know, on the internet and something happens and they, let's just say they, they run out of funds or they get mad at you and they want to, you know, take action. They could, you know, I mean, they might, nothing might occur, but, you know, just, that's just the industry that we're in. Some people get injured and can really be offended. I don't know if any athletes have, have any athletes ever got injured and tried to blame the strength and conditioning staff or the school or the, the turf or any type of equipment. Does that ever occur? Legally, they can't. Legally, they can't. When they sign their scholarship, they kind of waive that right. Okay. But nobody's tried to pursue that afterwards or Not try to... I know of. Okay. That brings up a good point, too. Like, that's one thing about coaching online um, is that you can reach a very wide variety of people all across. Like, I just branched out of Canada this year, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's actually, like, the huge guy on there, he's like right under the vice president of Duke Energy, and that's pretty up there in the corporation, obviously. Um, so you never know who you'll get, you never know who you'll find, and that will branch off to so many more people. Like I I don't do that much advertising other than just content on my Facebook or whatever. Um, I barely do posts of my clients, it's all just word of mouth, and it's growing fairly well. Um, as with anything, if you do a good job, people will talk about it, people will see the results, and they'll come to you. People ask all the time, one client in particular, like, 
hey, how do you get so big? Hey, who are you working with? Hey, all this stuff, and I get inquiries constantly just from that guy. It's all in Salisbury, North Carolina. I have like six people in Salisbury. It's ridiculous. What is the potential clientele maybe for this group here specifically who might not be co uh, coaching in physique but maybe a personal trainer at a gym, maybe a strength and conditioning coach, maybe um, you know taking on clients of their own independently or contracting that like I have done with the corporations. Let's just say it's a side job or a side gig. How can they? How can they um, create income? You know, not working with physique people. Like, wh what types of information can you help them with? Well, so there's. I guess like general fitness and wellness, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. What's the population like? Um, I'm, like I said, I have very few general fitness clients because one thing, I don't really attract that. I guess it's all about like your avatar and who you're trying to get. Um, there, so with that Shredded by Science program I was enrolled in, a lot of people do work with just average people. Sorry, average, um, not physique competing people. <laughs> um, a lot of them do work in gyms. A lot of people have started gyms from the information they got from the course. It's pretty awesome. I recommend to everyone checking it out. Now it's called the Personal Trainer Collective. Yeah. Uh, they are now going into like teaching mixed martial arts and some things about like training uh, considerations for all that stuff. But I'd say there's a pretty large market with it. Um, I personally don't really know because I'm not in that demographic of the industry. Um, I'm sure it's out there. If you put yourself out there and do it, I'm sure it'll happen. Um, I mean, I see people all the time doing stuff like that, just having everyday people who are their clients want to lose, like you said, 20 pounds. And they do that, and they live four states away, and they're making you know, 150 bucks a month off of them. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, can you tell us how maybe to set up an online environment for starting personal trainers who are just starting from scratch? Um, I, like, so... Like I said, what I did, I started with my friends, started with Facebook, started with social media, tried to create this, tried to tell people and show people that I had experience, that I had knowledge about what I was doing. And from there, it was really easy, honestly, when I created like the brand name behind myself and everything, because it was much easier to put out content. Um, it's always easy to, to have a brand or brand yourself. So I guess if you're doing like some general fitness of brand yourself would be the easiest thing to do. But like I said, putting yourself out there on Facebook, saying here's what you're doing, make a Facebook page for yourself, upload videos, upload content, show people your work, show people you know what you're talking about, and that's the number one best way to get started just to do it. I mean, Instagram, whatever you want, I don't really use Instagram that much anymore, but Facebook seems to be like a really good spot to be doing everything. There's really no best way to get started, it's literally just getting out there and doing it. Uh, you were talking earlier about insulin and endocrine system, and that's one of our next chapters. Can you maybe give us uh, your take on the endocrine system and how it performs and maybe some anatomy? So um, I'm just not kind of diving into insulin sensitivity. I don't work with anyone who takes insulin. I kind of stay away from that. That's a, that's a drug that's very heavily used in the higher end, or even honestly pretty regular just in people who want to achieve a certain physique. Can you tell us what insulin is and what it does? So insulin basically will help shuttle the carbohydrates into the muscle. So when you're insulin resistant, it takes more glucose to be able to, insulin, 
insulin sensitivity is, wow, excuse myself. Like I said, I'm just, get, just now getting into it, but um, I'm learning more with myself now. Okay, I'll use myself as an example. So my coach is starting to work with that with me, and as we're doing that, and I'm using a GDA, glucose disposal agent, and nutrient timing, keep my carbs around my workout, I've all, already seen a very substantial change in my physique in three weeks. Um, so basically, like your body's able to partition the nutrients and put them where they need to be much easier. So when you're insulin resistant, it's harder for your body to push the carbs into the muscle or store things where it needs to be stored. And it just takes more glucose to do so, you become more resistant. And that's why blood glucose raises, and it's just a bad thing. So when I got my labs done, my blood glucose was high. It was actually outside of the normal range. Because um, it wasn't being shuttled into the muscle? Yeah, like I just, hydration plays a key, nutrient timing plays a key, just physical activity plays a key, all these little things play a key, and I've not been as hydrated as I needed to or during the lab time, so I was, there were red marking on there, but um, it, everything plays a role in that. It, it shows in terms of like able to lose fat, able to put on muscle and all these things. As far as like the endocrine system, <laughs> I don't know too much. Well, testosterone, estrogen. Well, okay, as far as, yeah. So, do you want me to go into that? No, I mean, I mean, just tell us what testosterone and estrogen do for the body. So, testosterone all obviously helps with recovery, helps with all these things. Um, estrogen, there's a big misconception that estrogen is terrible for you. Um, now it's going in more, more so like a ratio of testosterone to estrogen rather than just high testosterone, wiping out your estrogen. Um, there's benefits to having estrogen. There's there's muscle building benefits to having estrogen. Um, I've seen people make mistakes of killing their estrogen 100%, and they basically like they're not getting testosterone. Um, you have to have everything kind of you know balanced. Everything needs to be balanced in the body. Um, yeah. What's what's the biggest problem? What's the biggest concern with people that take testosterone? What do you think, um, like if somebody's never t taken it before, so, what do you think they, like, what, you know, like, biggest, what? Biggest issue is that everyone thinks that the fitness industry is like dose dependent, like you just throw the kitchen sink in it and everything's gonna be good, like the more the better, and that's absolutely the complete opposite. It's always a minimal effective dose for everything. Um, there's plenty of forms to tell people, is anyone familiar with steroids at all? Okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so, now you see on the forums, people are taking 500 milligrams of test a week, which is honestly kind of like, that's about double a TRT dosage, which is fairly high for a beginner. I would say like if someone's relatively low or moderate test, just 250 milligrams a week of a legitimate testosterone source will put you at a pretty high number, probably around 900 or 1,000, depending on the person. Um, and people always go overboard with things, and that's how they jack their bodies up. Um, people take the aromatase inhibitors, so when you're taking testosterone, a certain amount of it aromatizes or converts into estrogen. And people think that's a terrible thing, but really it's kind of a natural occurrence that needs to happen to create a good ratio. Okay. No, no, yeah. No, no. Um, like I said, the chemical side of things is pretty insane. Like, what are the ad adverse effects of taking uh, steroids? Like, um, what, are, what are the, you said that can mess you up? Like, what animals. do you mean? Okay, what else? No, I mean... Um, uh, let's see, uh, so, obviously there's like, there are some things on labs you can see, so red blood cell count, hematocrit, hemoglobin, um, viscosity of the blood, people that are on TRT most of the time will get blood work done fairly often, 
or they'll have to donate blood if they're on a high dosage because they can have a heart attack from high blood viscosity. Um, obviously, the testicular shrinkage, people think that's a crazy thing. Um, you can take HCG, which is human chronic endotropin, which basically stimulates the hormones to produce the um, effort, stimulates the hormones to produce the testosterone, we're going to call it, uh, to basically create fertility again and everything. They give it to women who are trying to conceive. Men can take it and try to conceive as well. Um, so that counteracts that. Um, I have my doctor friend, he owns an HRT clinic out in Colorado, and that's their protocol to restart restart or kick off someone's natural production is to get them on TRT, run HCG, run all these other compounds to be able to wean them off the testosterone and keep things going up again. And it seems to work pretty well. What would be a natural testosterone level for someone that's natural, and then what would be a level for testosterone for somebody that's taken, like, I mean, what would be a healthy test level for a, um, or like a natural test level, and then what would be? A good, uh, probably like top tier of the range would probably be around like 750 to 900 for someone not taking anything. And for someone taking, uh, let's just say, uh, 500 milligrams a week, you'd probably see around like 1600 to maybe 2000. So almost on, double. Yeah, just depending on mm -hmm. like how the person's response, response to it and everything. Mm -hmm. What about women that take uh, testosterone or? I mean, uh, there are some funny body modifications that happen with that, um, <laughs> but most of the time, um, there most of the time women take more androgenic supplements. So there's anabolic and androgenic. The anabolic ones, in short, kind of create more of the hypertrophic effect, which is like the expansion of the muscle, and the androgenic is more strength related. Um, a, lot, a lot of women take the oral stuff a lot more, and some women take the oils, the injectables. Um, that's when you kind of see a lot more of the funny stuff going on. But um, there's no lowering of voice, there's funny body, body things that happen. I won't get into that, you guys can Google it. Um, but very common ones like Anavar, Winstraw, stuff like that that women take, just oral supplements are pretty supplements. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty easy going, if you will, in the body. But they like they maximize exponentially for a woman. So a man would have to take, let's say, 50 milligrams of Anavar, which is pretty mild steroid to get a benefit. Uh, a woman would take like 10 milligrams. What kind of psychological side effects would you expect to see? And That's very personal-dependent. Okay. Very personal-dependent. Um, some people have issues on TRT dosages. Um, most of the time, it's positive stuff. Um, but as you enter in more compounds, um, certain things are much more taxing on the body. Certain things are... I, you know, people have night sweats. People have night terrors on certain things. It gets pretty bad. And no, at, if you do something <coughs> wrong, let's say... There's blasting and cruising, and then there's coming off completely. Blasting and cruising is getting ready for a competition and taking as much as you can, if you will, um, having a, a nice protocol for it, and then coming off cruising is like a TRT dosage of testosterone, um, which is probably better in the long run, but if someone comes off completely and they jack up their post-cycle therapy, which is another list of compounds to help stimulate natural hormone production, um, they can see a lot of complications rise from that if they don't do it right. Um, I've seen people be pretty jacked up off that uh, for months on end. People have like had a jacked up marriages from it. People have had a lot of issues. I mean, it's a very real thing. Like you have hormonal imbalances, and they cause a lot of issues: depression, anxiety, um, erectile dysfunction that can lead to other problems and everything. Have you ever researched uh, performance enhancing drugs in like the NFL, for example, or the MLB, and like how do those players get away with it? I am a firm believer that every professional athlete uses some sort of performance enhancing drug, um, whether it just be 
Would you say 100% or would you say 85%? I, I feel like I would say high up there. Raise, look, I want to see what the class thing. Raise your hand if you think more than 80% of individuals in the NFL are on a performance-enhancing drug. Absolutely. Well, I mean, is it like caffeine or are we talking about I'm talking about like anabolic, a te- anabolic yeah. steroid. 100%. Okay. Like I don't feel like they can recover. Except, Except who's a Patriots fan in here? Not me. Any Patriots fans? What about L.A. Rams? Really, no Super Bowl? All right, never mind. All right. But, um, I, I do. I think it depends on the league, though. I think some leagues are way more strict than others. Like MLB is ridiculously strict compared to the NBA. Right. I know a lot of UCW baseball players over my time. <laughs> Well, that's NCAA. That's, that's different. MLB is actually pretty strict. MLB guys get caught for like supplements that they shouldn't be using. Wait, yeah, since uh, the court cases with they banned uh, free workout for. Yeah. I think some of that stuff's kind of ridiculous. Some of that stuff doesn't give you that much of an advantage in terms of like. What about basketball? I think the NBA is probably the most lax league. Far. Do you think they a lot of guys in basketball and NBA do take steroids or don't take steroids? I think if there's one league that there would be a scandal to come out, it would be the NBA. You really think so? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's steroids, but I think it's also like performance enhancing drugs. Like I heard when LeBron went to the Heat after the Cavs, you saw kind of like he wasn't that big when he went to the Heat. You can tell they definitely show like his arms got jacked up and his mm-hmm. shoulders did, and he has like different recovery methods. But I feel like they're drug tests a little lax. They don't do it as much unless they have some suspicion. And they're never gonna, they're never gonna, like, the NBA is such a star-driven league mm-hmm. that to, for them to just, you know, bust out a star, that's be very yeah. detrimental for their league. Whereas the NFL, it's like, what can you do for me right now? If you can't do anything for me right now, you can get out. Where the NBA is, like, more built on potential and there's more longevity. Mm-hmm. And the marketing for the NBA stars is way greater than any other mm-hmm. league by far, by far. Now, what about women's sports? Do you think there's a lot of that going on in women's sports? I feel the same at any, any like Olympic level or like a high level, or just like. I mean, what about the women in in this class? Do you think it's? Do you, no, I mean, do you, does it does it happen in? Do you think it happens in your sport? Ronda Rousey is definitely on something. Who? Ronda Rousey is at least taking something. Okay, that's MMA. I mean, let's say like a soccer player. You think soccer players take that kind of stuff? I think that tennis players. You think so? I don't think. Okay. Do you think it? I think it's a little less common. Okay. There was a big thing with like volleyball players. Like where? I think it was in like Europe. Okay. So yeah, it's it's. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Russia makes their own rules. It would depend on the sport, right? Um, a lot of tennis players they need like stronger pec major and delts, right? To actually crank those balls back and forth. What's her name? Serena Williams. Mm-hmm. That woman's definitely She's awesome. Cast. She's I mean, definitely it's obvious, awesome. Yeah. You know, unless she has insane genetics, like Hercules, like she obviously Hercules does was that. her father. Yeah. I mean, no, no doubt. Like, I, she obviously does that. Yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna say, we're not gonna choose people that we think may or may not be on anything. But all I want to take away from this convers, all I want to take away from this conversation specifically, is that it is, is it is evident in sports, and it's good to be educated on it. All right. Do you have? Does anybody have any other questions? 
expectations have you had to get over Zero. the years? Really? I have no so the goal that you might work at, they're like, hey, we're just going to like, we'll just say you have a certification or whatever. We just really want you to get in here and train people and everything. And I'm like, whatever. But it, I mean, at the end of the day, like they charged me 300 bucks for state taxes. They didn't think I was state taxes. I was pretty pissed. But uh, like I said, I got some clients out of it. But yeah, I have, it's all like release. You have a ba you have a bachelor's degree though, right? I have a bachelor's in health and physical education. Okay. Now listen. <laughs> now, <laughs> now listen, with a bachelor's degree, you can still get a job personal training at a job. With a bachelor's degree in physical education and health. So I just want to make that clear because I was hired as a personal trainer with a bachelor's degree before. Okay? Without the certification. But then if there's certain gyms that are just, I mean, obviously, if you go to O2 and you don't have a personal training license, you're not going to be able to get in the gym. Same thing with the rec center. Same thing at the hospital if you want to work there full time. Same thing at Live Oak Bank. What he's done is he's created his own thing. Now, him putting his passion behind it and his expertise in uh, physique training obviously gives him a little bit of credibility uh, to his training. Um, do you, I mean... You work with other coaches. Do you see yourself getting any new cer any certifications or any type of thing, or do you feel like it's always going to be a self learning? So this is something I talked with my coach and mentor about a couple years ago on the podcast. Like he's got a bachelor's in you know nutrition science. He's got a minor in psychology. Um, he's got a bunch of like weird like holistic health and like strange certifications. He thought would just be cool. But in the grand scheme of things, like. That's all, that all is great, but until you're able to like really understand the fundamentals of the physique coaching atmosphere, like I don't see a need to go back for you know, exercise phys degree or masters, or, any, or even just like uh, just any NASM personal trainer cert. Like there's zero need for me to do. Right, that. and there's I don't think there's a physique certification training well, so program. The is there? Science thing. They're like I said out of the UK, and they actually like it's a. I think it's a level one or level two certification you get out in the UK if you complete the program. Um, yeah. I don't. I didn't come to the US or anything, yeah. but it's still like it's credible over there, but obviously not over here. But it's it was pretty awesome going through all that biomechanics to you know, na it's all of the natural preps and natural competitors and everything. Yeah. But it's still very worthwhile. Yeah, and there was a time I you know I taught a class called strengthening and, and lengthen that was a yoga class when I wasn't yoga certified. Okay. Um, so th they are interchangeable, but then eventually I did get yoga certified. Um, certifications are good if you plan on working at a company or working for someone, but obviously if you're going in your own realm, you can kind of pick and choose. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. It's not really a need to, I mean, just like letters by your name, but in the grand scheme of things, like what kind of results do you like you can't have everything next to your name if you have zero experience and zero clients under your belt. Like there's no one's really kind of like, oh, this guy has all this stuff, but this guy has shredded clients. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna go first. Got shredded results. How did you create that uh, group of doctors? Did you just go talk to them. So one of them I trained with, and I kind of branched out from there. Uh, my coach and my mentor has led me other doctors as well. Um, and just they gave my name out there, getting in certain Facebook groups. There's one called Geared Up. And it's basically like all the IFBB pros, which is the International Federation of Bodybuilding, um, all the mainstream coaches, supplement guys that are up there, they're all in that group. I'm just getting my name with there, posting in there. 
conversating to everyone is really it makes a huge difference. Like I just got a bunch of free stuff in from a company the other day. Um, the company's called True Nutrition, and his name is Dante Trudel, and he's the guy who created dog crap training, which is pretty. It's kind of like Dorian Yates. I'm doing who Dorian Yates is. One, one, three people are Dorian. Four people. Okay, there we go. Um, it's kind of the same idea as that, and dog crap training is pretty well known amongst like the more advanced fitness industry. Um, he sent me some pre-workout and some other things that are pretty sweet, and you just be hype, and kind of like old Jack 3D, if anyone knows what that was. Killing everybody, like. <laughs> What's up, man? Um, can you, or, so, uh, with steroid use, like, after a certain amount of time, or um, I guess, like, use, can't you, like, pretty much destroy your natural testosterone production if you abuse it? So there's controversy, about, coming off? there's controversy about that. Um, but I believe with everything I've been hearing recently, there's a point that you can you know, cycle on and off as much as you want, do as much of a PPT uh, blast, if you will, like of all that stuff, uh, to stimulate everything. But there comes a point where your body would just not function like it did. Like, right. So, Isn't it like called like hypergenetism? Yeah, like, hypergenetism. And that's why people didn't get on TRT and they just take a shot of each for their shot of testosterone. The rest of their lives, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not really a way I'd want to live. How long does that take um, to get to that point? It's so or is some, it just pe dependent? some people never shut down. Okay. Uh, some people have kids while they're on cycle, which basically most of the time it's been known the cycle will shut down your fertility completely. There are, are ways to stimulate stuff to have children on something, but uh, some people get their significant other pregnant whenever they are on stuff. Some people will take one cycle and be shut down the rest of their lives. So. It's just like, like I said, it's a big risk. The person has to make that decision themselves. Um, but I mean, there's honestly more people than you would think that utilize that stuff. Like everyday gym goers, I'd, I'd say there's a pretty, the percent's higher than you think it would with the people using stuff. Right, right. No, I mean, I, I guess I always kind of assume that um, so even just one cycle could like destroy, so it can, not only can it like destroy your natural ability to create testosterone, you're saying it can impact like fertility or like. Yeah, I mean it's, it, so as soon, like the next day after your first injection of it or just consumption of some sort of product, like your natural production is gonna basically shut off. Right. So with that being said, FH and LSH, which are two hormones that stimulate all the hormone production and everything, and all your fertility stuff, basically just shuts down. Like, hey, we're doing this from somewhere else. We don't need to work anymore. And whether or not the turns back on depends on how your body wants to work and what you take after that cycle and if you do it right. Just stimulate mm -hmm. everything and start working again. Um, yeah, I mean, fertility can be effective, but there's things around that as well. So, right, right. I mean, everything has a medical purpose. Everything has an, like, most of the time things have purpose to help someone like anemic or a burn victim or something like that um, but obviously we use it for other purposes now that we realize that it can help right, right. I mean you got the gun I mean, yeah. do what no let's talk about gun oh yeah I mean that's another one that, that has I mean that's an easy fix yeah but no um, like the really bad cases well, a lot of people can get that naturally too yeah. I mean, can you tell us what gyno is gynecomastia is development of breast tissue on men um, so it's do what? People do grow these. Yes. Grow. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's 
basically you can kind of like you can hinder it from happening if you start to feel you'll start to feel like uh, some people say sensitivity around the nipple and everything and you start taking which instead of taking okay we're getting into it <laughs> so there's two things that you can take uh, there's an aerobic inhibitor like I talked about before that shuts off the aromatization process um, and you can basically wipe out estrogen then you have an estrogen blocker which would be something like a Novodex and a Rimidex would be your aromatase inhibitor uh, you can take your Rimidex and completely wipe out estrogen you probably won't have any effect but you'll feel like crap because your estrogen will be shot down and like I said you need a certain amount of that to function um, and then as far as the estrogen blocker that's going to shut off the receptors to have that sensitivity occur and to have the guy start to build up and everything. Um, so it's a pretty easy fix, but after you develop it, most of the time you have to get surgery to get it removed. It doesn't bother you that bad. Um, it's just hormonal imbalance, it's called literally. Yeah, guys, it's a pretty serious thing. It looks goofy too, honestly. I mean, it really does. I mean, like you get on stage, you get points taken off if you have that. You get points, I mean, like the physique world is so crazy. Like, <clears throat> you step on stage, you get points taken off if your cane looks bad. You get points taken off for all these different things. Uh, you know, how you pose. Posing is huge. That's probably my biggest forte. Me and, me and Dr. Weber used to pose back in the day at, mm -hmm. at O2. Like, I, I've done posing coaching for four years now, and that's like kind of honestly what got me started doing like everything else. Um, male and female, like I said, it's so much fun. I enjoy it. Like, you, if you work on something, you can't show it off, they're going to see point of it. Cool. Any other questions? All right, give it up for Chris. <clears throat> All right. All right, everybody, we're going to get started. Um, I'll patch you this too. Okay. What's that? My phone. Oh, for me. Okay. I didn't even work this thing. You press the button on the side. What is this? It's a Google phone. It's, it's above. It's not above, an iPhone? It's above your pay grade. I don't know how to use this. Just sw sw swipe it up. You're stressing me out, Weber. Millennials, right? Oh my god. <laughs> Am I considered a millennial? Do y'all know if I'm yes. considered a millennial? Yes. Are you though? Yeah. No. Really? I think 33 right now. Close. Alright, so. Alright, you all set? Yep. So, I'm Chris Harms. I am a physique coach. How many of you guys have seen a physique coach online on Instagram? everybody and it's super annoying so um that's my business by any means bam you know right to the point so today i'll talk about myself what do i do adversities i face and the traits of being a great coach um so obviously you already know a little bit i'm 24 from pinehurst i have a health and pe degree here with from weber um, I've been training myself for eight years. I've competed in two shows in Mid-Atlantic and the Europa Expo, and I've been coaching for two years of this brand, and I still work a full-time job because it doesn't make enough money yet. So here are some pictures of clients that I have. This is my first client up here. It's a year transformation. Other competitors and everything. This guy right here is my biggest guy. He's nuts. It's unreal. Um, he's like 320 pounds right now just pure burl. Here's some more right here. Um, this is actually the first concept I've ever prepped somebody for. I had three athletes in that show. That was pretty awesome. Just random transformations. And here's the douchey pictures. Oh, not yet. Here's another uh, transformation. This is a guy 12 weeks out, and this was two weeks out. Unfortunately, it's the only pictures that I could find of his prep. But uh, 
it's pretty awesome. It's kind of amazing. Like you work with a normal clientele and you might see them progress a little bit with their physique or their you know, progress in the gym. But when you work with like a prep client like this and contest prep athletes, you see tremendous changes if things go right and if you know, they do what they're supposed to do. Here's the douchey pictures. So I don't look like this now. I'm going through a lot of injuries and everything, but just a little you know, background on me. I do train. I do train hard and I have a little bit of muscle. So what I do, obviously, physique coach, in short, what that means is I program training nutrition to meet a client's goals and needs. I read blood work and give health protocols that include supplement and drug protocols. We're gonna talk about some drugs today. A little bit, maybe. Uh, contest prep for physique athletes, posing lessons for male and female, create a positive environment and relationships for all my clients, help to develop better habits, and treating the person as a whole. Now, with better habits, I don't exclusively work with prep athletes. I work with everybody, but I prefer to work with the more competitive side. Um, and if I have a general clientele that wants to just get healthier, we have to build better habits. And that goes with everyone. Everyone can build better habits. Who makes their bed in the morning? Exactly. Start making your bed. Uh, you said that prep clients, you said, are really good to work with. Why? What makes them different? They're more driven. They have a they have a set goal in their head that they want to do, and it's it's a little more. Okay, you worked in the gym before. Who's who's worked in the gym before? Is anybody working in a gym right now? Okay, so when you guys train your clients, what are their goals that they say they want to do? Lose weight. Lose weight. Do they give you an amount? Or just twenty pounds. So John, with the sport athletes, do they make their own goals, or do you create their goals for them? We create. Them. Okay, so how would that kind of work together? Well, so a lot. Of, so let's say for a first-time prep athlete, they may they may say they want to compete, but they don't know what that means. And I'll go more in depth with that in a little bit. But most of the time, people aren't probably aren't ready to compete, whether it be like blood work, hormones, the way their body works, insulin sensitivity, a wide array of things. And you have to be honest with that client to let them know that they're not ready for it. And if you push them, they will be in a much worse position after that show than they would be if, if you fix those things beforehand. Um, but going back to your original question was that these people are more driven than like a general clientele, it seems like, because they have this goal in their mind. They have this set physique they want to have. They want to win. It's not just about a goal of maybe losing weight. It's a goal of winning. And that just always seems to you know, spice up everyone's competitive side. So here's like a very general idea of my process. I have initial consultation in forms that includes pictures, other drug protocols, past, present, um, everything, training, nutrition, all sorts of things. Um, a phone call on Skype is always really good for me just to get on the phone with somebody or face to face if I can. I have clients in the UK, Canada, all over that I try to make it a lot more personable for them. It's online, so you can only do so much, but I've worked with some terrible coaches that have made nothing personable whatsoever, and I want to do better than that. Everything's through Google Drive, every single thing. I have pretty cool spreadsheets. If anyone wants to see them, I'll show you guys afterwards. Um, everything's linked up through there. All their check-ins is through a Google form. Um, this check-in, they go over everything. Their week nutrition, a, a brain dump, they can just tell me about their day. Obviously, I don't wanna hear every single thing that they've done because I'll have spent forever there reading. They need to pay me way more. But as far as just like their adherence to everything, that's really important. Um, we just repeat that stuff and as they fill out like their spreadsheets and trackers, they track their training and they track their nutrition. Most of the time, every day, their macros. Um, 
not a registered dietitian, so I can't give a set meal plan, but I can give recommendations. And those recommendations most of the time will come from a set list of foods that are pretty safe in terms of inflammation and stuff like that. Um, but if they create a plan, they bounce it back and forth off me and we try to figure out the best thing for them. Um, tracking workouts is super important. You guys have clients in the gym. Do you guys write down their workouts? Do you guys have them write down their workouts or what? I write my, my clients' workouts. Perfect. So it's becoming a finally a big thing again to track your workouts that are keeping in your head. That makes it much more feasible to progress and progression is obviously the key to everything. So how did I get started? I love people, love fitness is a perfect match. I began trying to work a bit more with people, the UNCW Barbell Club, that guy over there, he remembers me. Um, and then friends letting me prep them. That was my first time I got started prepping just three clients for that first show. It was awesome, I had one fitness competitor, or figure, excuse me, and two bodybuilding competitors. I got enrolled in an online course called Shredded by Science. Has anyone ever heard of that? It was pretty awesome. Um, it's with two guys out of the UK and Eric Helms, who was with Team 3MJ. Who's a, this guy's a doctor out of New Zealand. He's a prep coach as well. And Mike Zerdos, he's a professor at USF or UCF, I believe. And he's all powerlifting, all strength coach. It's awesome. And then I said, I, I just need to create something. Like, thoughts without action mean nothing. So I had this idea of like this brand that I wanted to create and I did it, um, and I found the right mentors. I have a doctor who I train with, I was telling Bob about this earlier, back in 2015, and he's kind of like my stamp of approval as far as a lot of health stuff goes. Um, he's taught me a lot of stuff about blood work, how to read blood work and everything. And also have my coach, he's also my mentor, he's been coaching for the past 10 years, he's been at it since the like, very first like, uh, professional muscle forms and everything, which is, if you guys, anyone know professional muscle is, it's like a super old form that talks about drug protocols, training protocols, nutrition, everything. Continued, I don't know why this one's different than all the other slides, it just wouldn't change it, and Microsoft PowerPoint's stupid. So, uh, I've worked with a lot of big name coaches. Uh, does anyone know any big name coaches in the fitness industry at all? Anybody? Haney Rambaugh? Oh, I haven't worked so not like an IFBB level like that, but okay, there you go. Um, Innovative Week Performance with Matt Jansen. He's becoming a pretty big guy. Um, the Strength Guys, Jordan Shallow. He's a strength coach, or he's a power lifter, elite power lifter out of Boss Barbell Club in California. Been, you might know Dan Green. Yeah. Yeah, so he trains right under Dan Green. He's one of his mentors. Pretty awesome. I'm going to realize that if all these other people are doing it, so can I. Maybe not to their caliber yet, but I will build up to that. Um, I just began to put myself out there. Trying to just get experience, that's the number one thing. You can have all the knowledge in the world, but without application of it, it means nothing. Okay. UNCW gets crap stuff. Okay, so struggles and adversities. In my personal life, I've had a lot of health issues. Um, I've had, like you can tell, injuries that have lasted about two years worth. I've had two herniated discs, two torque pelvises, kind of a frayed tendon on the back of my left leg. And um, that was from uh, PT evidently doing really bad dry needling, and it was probably the worst thing ever. Um, so please be wary of that whenever you do dry needling. <laughs> it hurt really bad. Has anyone ever had dry needling done? What do you have dry needling? My knee. knee? Yeah. Did it help at all? Or? Yeah, but now we do cupping. Cupping? You do cupping? Do you like it? I love it, yeah. Anyone else do cupping here? Has anyone tried it before? No? I like chiropractic work, it's probably my favorite. Um, 
but so like right now I'm still recently back in June I tried to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I was not flexible enough and uh, I was going with my buddy who was like 240 it's kind of heavier dude and trying to wrap my legs around that guy made it pretty impossible to do anything right so I basically tore my I wasn't strength enough back in my core to hold everything kind of in place so my pelvis torqued again to the front my right leg was like that much shorter than my left leg so it made it pretty hard to get back doing things but now it's about month and a half into training again I'm feeling pretty good and I have had extreme digestive complications you probably remember this my senior year here I got really sick doctors don't know what it was my three different doctors no one can tell me what it is all the testing blood work everything just they just two doctors have told me I'm just stressed out and I'm anxious and that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because there's something going on um, and luckily my mentor and one other doctor that I talked about previously have been helping me work through that. Uh, potentially have SIBO. Do you know what SIBO is? Small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, basically just bad bacteria building up. Candida is like a yeast overgrowth in the intestine. And all this stuff can lead to major complications. Um, just with the gut biome and everything, which is kind of the... Oh, I clicked something. Um, which is one of the main things that I work on with my clients as well. Digestion is huge, especially in the bodybuilding world. People are force-feeding themselves. People are doing all these things so wrong and they wreck themselves. I wreck myself. Like my junior year here, I was eating around 5,000 calories a day and I put on 35 pounds in like a semester and I was, it sucked, honestly. I, if clothes fit awesome, but I, it sucked. Um, but yeah, so still trying to battle that stuff, still trying to get it under control and that's put a lot of stress on it. Uh, I can, my last competition was back in 2016 and I did a six week prep and if anyone knows anything about contest prep, you need a lot longer than six weeks to do it efficiently. Um, and like I said before, I didn't really care how my health was beforehand. It was crap to begin with. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to push through it. And that's where the term by any means came from, the brand. And I just 